Hello and welcome to another episode of the Music Rabbit Hole. I'm your humble host and music bus driver on today's musical journey. Kind of a different episode on this channel. Uh, and I'll probably start doing more and more of these um, non-formulaic episodes. I know the, the basis of this channel entirely was I'm going to find... You know, I'm gonna start with a band or artist. I'm gonna find nine other somewhat similar bands or artists along the way that you may also enjoy. There's hundreds, I think, of episodes of that show, so plenty for you to watch in that. But as the channel has kind of grown and as I've grown and my interests, you know, go here and there, um, I wanted to do um, different content here on the channel. So this is one of those examples as far as something that's a little different than some of my other videos. And uh, the thing I want to talk about on this episode today is the 2004 music documentary Metallica Some Kind of Monster. And maybe if this goes well, and I'm kind of doing this on the fly. This isn't, uh, there's no script here or, or big format. I'm just going to kind of go with it and see what happens. But uh, I think if there are other music documentaries that I have not had a chance to see yet and I start to see them and I want to talk about them, uh, then I'll probably make more videos with, with that. So whether you're listening to this in podcast form or you're watching the YouTube version, uh, this video is going to be about this documentary and uh, it's not going to be a full necessarily breakdown of the entire documentary i encourage you to check it out yourself i found it on amazon there's i'm sure other places you can get it as well uh, but basically if you haven't seen it and by the way i'm not a giant metallica fan um not that i don't respect them uh, at, or anything like that they obviously are huge and have created uh, incredible music and they've got some uh you know songs that have influenced the genre and things like that so this is not anything against metallica they're just not really my thing i'm, I'm a softy I, I i like lighter stuff a lot of the time but i went into this movie with uh so with no kind of background knowledge of this specific time that the movie's about i just like music documentaries so i was like i haven't seen this this is tends to be on the list of like some of the best music documentaries of all time so i'm gonna watch this so if you haven't seen it uh, it's a 20 uh, 2004 documentary about metallica of course and it is covering this period of two or three years um where they the band themselves are going through just a, a big transformation. And then this is a band that obviously was huge in the nineties and things like that. And, and so where they currently sit, they're obviously a little bit older. Um, their lives are changing a little bit. Their attitudes are changing a little bit. And as a band, they're going through some big changes. I mean, um, from musically and, and members wise, uh, Jason Newstead, who was their bassist, uh, leaves, uh, or they kind of, you know, push him out a little bit. I think he 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 had a side project, and James Hetfield, the lead singer for Metallica, didn't really um, want Jason to do the side project, and so uh, he kind of pushes push. He gets pushed out, and so the band is going through this situation where their bassist has left. Now um, they are trying to produce this new album. Um, they're dealing with the fallout of Napster, um, their lawsuit against Napster in the early 2000s, where uh, Metallica, and especially Lars, their drummer, was uh, super outspoken against this idea of, of music sharing illegally, uh, especially with uh, bands and artists not receiving compensation for these illegal streams. And as somebody who grew up in the early 90s and definitely, you know, was around in this Napster era and the LimeWire era and Pirate Bay and all these things, 
I, I, it was crazy at the time. I mean, you could literally. I remember I did this. I'm not proud to say it. And I, I, are we part past the statute of limitations? I don't know. I, I remember downloading like Jay Z's entire discography off of Pirate Bay or something like that for free, and and have and putting it all in my iTunes and then moving that all to my iPod at the time and just having all this music at my fingertips. And look, I was a kid. So I didn't necessarily think about the fact that, like, hey, Jay-Z's not getting a dime of this. And I think there's plenty of discussions around uh, platforms like Spotify and places like that, maybe not providing fair compensation for for smaller artists and how hard it is to make any money through these streaming platforms. That's a whole bigger video and bigger conversation for sure. But at the time, basically, it's a file-sharing service, Napster. I'm sure you've heard about it. And Metallica was suing Napster. And Lars Ulrich was a big face of the lawsuit. And a lot of the fans um, didn't love Metallica being involved in this lawsuit. And so there was some backlash there. And so bassist leaves, fan backlash with Napster. The butting heads of Ulrich and, and uh, James Hetfield uh, is, is evident. And there are also trying to make this new album and, and so the documentary is following this turbulent time um, of of this group and i think from from my understanding and again metallica fans probably know this better than i do uh, because if they're um students of the band and they know so much about them they're going to know more than me but it is my understanding that at the time you know especially in this like heavy metal type genre there were no documentaries and documentation and this behind the scenes really uh, of groups like this where it humanized the individuals as much as this documentary does for example one of the biggest examples in the movie is you see james headfield attend his daughter's ballet class and headfield is the front man of arguably one of the greatest you know heavy metal bands of all time heavy rock heavy metal bands of all time and He's in just a looks like just a normal dad at his daughter's ballet recital or class or whatever it was. And so I it is my understanding that there were when this documentary came out and it really did show the human side of some of these guys, it kind of destroyed that mystique that surrounded this pre Twitter, pre Instagram type era era where we didn't have the access to these artists besides maybe, you know, the occasional interview or late night appearance or things like that. And so, you know, what this documentary did is it really shows you the nitty gritty of the just the daily lives of these guys to the point that there are points in this documentary that are arguably a little boring. I mean, there's conversations that happen that don't necessarily move the plot too much or are more about just the daily minutiae of life. And I think at the time, it seems like, especially for this genre, that this just didn't exist. We, we, we weren't getting this insight on these uh, rock gods as, as, as much as we did with this, where we're seeing them eat yogurt <laughs> you know we're seeing them argue about trivial things we're seeing them uh you know bitch and moan about things that you're like oh man you just sound kind of whiny right now and then for a lot of the movie and that's one of the big complaints on some of the when you go to rotten tomatoes and you read some of the reviews and and you look at youtube comments and things like that a lot of the complaints tend to be man these rock stars are so 
whiny and they're babies. And and but that's to me one of the most interesting things about this documentary is the fact that yeah, artists are whiny babies a lot of the time. Even the guys that are as hard as, as Hetfield and Ulrich and, and and so you know these guys are are kings of of a genre. But at the end of the day, they can be babies sometimes. They can be whiny sometimes. I mean, they could be divas. I mean, obviously. <laughs> and so, and they're no different than maybe uh, the pop singers out there that occasionally. I mean, Mariah Carey is an example, and I don't want the, her fans to go after me or anything. But you know, there there are artists that are uh, you know pop artists and any genre that are looked at as divas, and clearly Metallica is no different. So the there's there's that component that was really intriguing throughout. There's for the music fans, there's the nitty gritty behind the scenes of like songwriting and song building that I really enjoyed as far as kind of just seeing like just seeing guys scribbling lyrics in a notebook. That's I mean, for a music fan, like that's the best. Like seeing the process, seeing the end of, you know, here's this line. No, that word doesn't sound good. They're workshopping things. And that was uh, fairly new for this band at the time is they, they actually getting everybody's input on, on songs when in the past, it seems like, um, guys like, you know, uh, you know, Kirk Hammett wasn't really, uh, he, he wasn't really necessarily involved in the, like the lyric writing process. It was like, all right, James has the lyrics and he and Lars put something together, or, you know, et cetera. And so getting the different inputs and things like that, that's a really interesting component to this documentary. But I, 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 I really, to me, why this movie has stayed with me so much over these, you know, past couple weeks since I've seen it is the you know the therapy sessions with the group so if you don't know um the they bring in this performance enhancement coach named phil towel who is a therapist uh, you know he's worked with some big acts he's worked with some big artists and he comes in and the whole idea is basically to have these group therapy sessions and i feel like in early 2000 especially for men therapy just wasn't much of a thing. I mean, you could look at a show like The Sopranos, um, and you see an example of here's this mafia boss, and I know that's a fictional show, but here's this mafia boss who um, has panic attacks, and he is seeing benefit from from therapy and working psychiatrists and things like that. And and and, but it's not talked about. You know, it it, it would be the worst thing ever if the rest of his group found out. And I feel like. W- for a movie that was made in 2004 um, and, and the filming happening a few years before that, to see these guys sit in the room, share their feelings, recognize their feelings, discuss it. Uh, there's a scene where Lars is in James Hetfield's sc- face screaming the F word at him. Um, that is something that we just didn't have access to. At that time, and I think was it was extremely rare for quite a while to see that type of um, benefit to therapy. And you could argue, I, I think, and Metallica fans, I'm sure, feel strongly about this. You could argue uh, that Phil Towel, and you can see in the documentary, maybe overstepped his bounds at times, or um, some folks had a, even the band at times accused him of. Uh, thinking he was part of Metallica, like he, you know, he's writing. There was there was some scene in the movie where. He writes a note on a sticky note and he hands it to Hetfield. 
And it was almost like maybe that was like a lyric suggestion or a song suggestion or something along those lines. And it's so there's moments where you're like, okay, did Phil uh, overstep his bounds? Is he around the band too much? Is he becoming compromised by thinking like, you know, he's he's cool and he's part of the group? That That's definitely, a, I think, a worthy argument to have. Um, but I think what you can respect is I think Phil does a tremendous job at times um, getting these guys to recognize their faults and recognize uh, their uh, relationships with each other. These are men that have been together for quite a while, especially these three at the time. And I just think that it was just so interesting to see these guys who are the creators of some of the biggest heavy rock songs on the planet um, share their feelings with each other and, and talk about and talk in a way where they're like, you know, I, you know, they're, they're giving these uh, therapist type answers to each other you know things like you know i recognize like maybe i'm being a little too hostile towards you or yeah no i understand what i did was wrong there and they're like having this self-recognition moments and again these are the guys that are singing in front of forty thousand people playing these crazy hard riffs and and just uh just going nuts and, and that's refreshing it's just my point is is that that was really refreshing to see uh, regardless of what you think about the actual album that this uh, movie produced, Saint Anger, I did go back and listen to it. And yeah, it's probably not one of the better uh, Metallica albums out there. That's for sure. There are some moments in the documentary where when they're approaching things from a lyric perspective, while as interesting as that can be, I was cringing a little bit at some of the ideas and suggestions that they had, where it was kind of like, really, that's the lyric you're going with. Um, but overall, an insight into the process, an insight into uh, uh, Jason Newstead, who was trying to better himself. He goes to rehab in the middle of the documentary and comes back, and he's clearly going through his own turmoil of, of uh, my, my interpretation was an aging rock star, um, kind of seeing like, all right, well, the parting ways of my youth are slowly shrinking. Um, I have a family now that I need to support. Um, but I also need to continue creating this art because it's a part of me. It's the only thing I know how to do. And so, you know, he's dealing with that and dealing with these different egos and with his bandmates and, and Lars Ulrich is no saint. I mean, he's definitely got um, some some issues, too. And so, yeah, seeing seeing all these various uh, interactions with each other and seeing these transformations and then um, all of it culminating with uh, Rob Trujillo being added to the band, which was super awesome. Uh, there's a scene of him auditioning with Metallica and being brought into the band. And my understanding is he is um, one of the nicest guys ever, it seems like. And same with Hammett. I mean, Hammett really, um, and he, even in the documentary, he kind of is this... Uh, lighter force in the room with uh when when Lars Ulrich and Headfield are constantly butting heads you do have Hammett being kind of the the laid back kind of voice of reason trying to get everybody to be friends I mean that's the really interesting component as well um but yeah I I think uh, there apparently there were multiple times uh, doing this documentary that maybe the band was gonna stop it and they were like we don't want to do it anymore or maybe they were worried about too how how much coverage is too much I mean the cameras were with them constantly especially at one of the most trying times in their lives and that's what makes this documentary to me um one of the one of the best I've ever seen is the fact that 
the cameras were let in during this insane time for one of the most successful heavy metal bands of all time. Um, but really just showing that these guys are real people and they have conflicts just like you do with your friends at work or your, uh, maybe even not friends at work, just your coworkers and colleagues and, um, your family and, and, and conflict is just such a real thing and dealing with that conflict, especially with people you've been around a long time, uh, it, it doesn't escape anybody. And we obviously hear about bands having riffs and, and, and fights and they go on hiatus and things like that. And Metallica clearly was no different, but they were able to get past that and become who they are today, which is crazy. I mean, they, again, they're still around. They're still making music. They came out with that new album um, not long ago and now have been officially active as a band for 40 plus years, 1981 to now in 2023. Um, so yeah, I mean, shout out to them for sure. And uh, shout out to this documentary, I, uh, Some Kind of Monster. I, I, I highly recommend it. Um, uh, it's It came out, yeah, almost 20 years ago. Next year will be its 20 year anniversary. And if you're, even if you're not a Metallica fan, like myself, again, I'm not, I don't listen to all their albums or anything like that. I know the main hits, but I, I, I'm not pretending that I dove deep. Um, I would recommend you if, you, if you're just into documentaries and especially music documentaries, some kind of monster. It's about a little over two hours and you can get it on Amazon, et cetera, and things like that. Uh, highly recommend to check it out. That's my thoughts. That's my review. If I was going to put a number on it, um, probably eight and a half out of 10. I mean, honestly, probably an eight and a half out of 10. I think my only knocks against it is yes, I think there's some footage that's a little not uh, doesn't move the story along isn't really that interesting um i think that's really my main gripe is i think there's they could have trimmed this a bit maybe get it around two hours and i think they would have been okay i think another complaint that some people have is they don't necessarily dive too much into the history of the band they like barely touch the surface so i didn't necessarily come away knowing a ton about the back 20 years of of the band i just you just kind of really know a lot about that you know three four year period of the movie itself. But those are my thoughts. This has been a special episode of the Music Rabbit Hole. Some kind of monster. Metallica. Eight and a half out of ten for me. I'll see you next video.